yes. Sundas morning, here on a lazy and yet rainy afternoon in Cyrodiil, Tamriel, Harriard, Oblivion, at the front gates of the lovely, the gentle Anvil. I am your host and fellow Tamrielic traveler, Evarwin, and uh, of course I'm joined by some some two. Wonderful guys here. The creator of the syndicated column all throughout the empire. Dear Madriel, that's Mike. Dear Madriel, my cheating wife has gone off with an orc. What should I do? Well, listener, as a Bosmer, I would suggest turning the orc into a bacon, lettuce, and tomato sandwich and turning your Argonian wife into a leather handbag. Best advice in all of Tamriel right here, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, how you doing? I'm doing okay. It's been uh, quite a uh, week off here, so... Yeah, had fun playing games all week. Oh, man. Wish I could say the same. Ugh. Here in, in not Tamriel, it's a gentle Sunday morning, and uh, the weather is very nice here in New York, and I'm just waking up and enjoying our show before I have to run off to work and um, it's going to be a good day today I think I'm, I'm very happy um, very cool and and over here we have uh, the scenarist and founder of New Horizons Clinic for the insatiable Daedra the NHC TID hope is about to come I, I'm not proud of choices I've made <laughs> 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 but are well, you happy that you've helped all of those uh driven daedra no no i'm not <laughs> this is a, this isn't the series i wanted to play why <laughs> why god why <laughs> i uh i remember one particular daedra had run past me uh after they completed your clinic and they they gave me um your uh your gauntlet of the horny fist and said, I don't need this anymore. Thank you, Mark. I'm like, wow. Mark's, Mark's performing miracles here at New Horizons Clinic of the Insatiable well, Daedra. I'm finding them. I've got to get rid of them somehow. <laughs> this is Classic Elder Scrolls brought to you by the Quest Gaming Network. Available for download on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and QuestGamingNetwork.com. Today's record date is Sundas, the 9th of Last Seed. Our show is, of course, brought to you by TweakedAudio.com for quality headphones. Go to TweakedAudio.com. We'll save you 30% off, but only with our code off the record. All one word now. Of course, you get free shipping. Isn't that great? Worldwide free shipping. Mm-hmm. TweakedAudio.com. And by Audible. A-U-D-I-B-L-E. AudibleTrial.com slash Quest Gaming Network. Head to that link to get a free... A free, if it's free, it's for me, right, folks? A free audiobook of your choosing. Choose from hundreds of thousands of audiobook audiobooks on their library from all different subjects. You could probably even get one about, like, harvesting methane or something. Wouldn't that be interesting? I don't think that's uh, interesting. Put a big tent over a giant cow. Oh, wait, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> 
there, there is a song called I Am Cow, Hear Me Moo. And there is a line where I am cow eating grass, methane gas comes out my, and it goes off from there. <laughs> Good times. So yeah, maybe maybe at Audible, A-U-D-I-B-L-E, audibletrial.com slash Network. Maybe you can uh, get a book about about whatever whatever uh, interests you and, and uh, you know, the two products that go hand in hand. But enough about that. Of course, we're also sponsored by the Two Moons Horoscope. The Two Moons Horoscope. Last seed, ninth. Jode Masser is but a waning thin blade in the sky. His eyes shall close soon. John Secunda shall soon follow, and the sky shall sleep. The midnight sun in Skyrim is past, and the Nords will drink and fight and celebrate the return of the warrior constellation. As opposed to just drinking and fighting because they're Nords. Yes, but you got to have a celebration of something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, also a big hello and howdy-do to our, our live chat room. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us here on this uh, early Sunday morning as we present to you the city of Anvil. But first, Mark, why don't you tell everyone where they can connect with us here at Classic Elder Scrolls? I think I can do that. Well, they can always watch us live on Sundays, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time at twitch.tv slash Network, And they can email us at questgamingnetwork at gmail.com or at elderscrollsofftherecord at gmail.com. And, you know, we love getting, uh, getting emails and discussing anything that any questions that are brought up uh if they want to find us on the web and all of our wonderful shows they can find us at questgamingnetwork.com and if they have social media and want to follow us there they can do so on twitter at elder scrolls otr on facebook at facebook.com slash questgamingnetwork and on google at google.com slash plus sign questgamingnetwork so what are we doing today mike so today we are playing Elder Scrolls IV Oblivion. We will have a discussion topic, the most memorable quests from Anvil. In the history of section, Anvil, the city by the Abacrian Sea. The Cenaris Archives. Do you have to be a murder hobo housing in the Elder Scrolls? <laughs> <laughs> I demand financial rewards for my acts of homicide. <laughs> Plus, we have a fast question and some emails. So, what did we do in game this week? Mark, would you do anything? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, on Friday, uh, we were doing Dances with Daggers, and we explored the uh, the prison in the Imperial City. And being the, the test server, we had a lot of crashes just trying to get in. And then there was trying to make our way through the streets with a lot of uh, EP and AD people... Uh, you know, trying to, I you know, fighting the mobs and also guarding the gates to the Imperial prison. But, you know, then we, we eventually, after about half an hour of crashing and struggling, we finally got in and we started going through. And, wow, that is a fun public, that is a fun dungeon. Really well done. Uh, and there's actually at least one room that you get in. It's very blocky and small and um, there's water everywhere. It feels just like the prison that you find in a bl- in uh, arena, and just like I don't know if you guys have gone through it yet. Uh, we've been through. I've been through parts of the sewers, but I have not done like the uh, four man 
dungeon. Oh yeah, no the the bot the final boss that is an interesting fight. That is a really really good fight. Uh, other than that, in um, I've been playing Morrowind and I've been doing the main quest in that. Uh, I've caught cor- uh, corpus disease and um, gotten cured of that, and now I'm sort of. <laughs> <laughs> What's the laughing for? Gotta know. Well, you said I caught corpus disease, so you. Know. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, basically, as part of the quest, I got corpus and then met the last dwarf in existence. Um, stole all his books. You know, so uh, people in the chat were there. You know, you're, you're being mean. Don't don't steal all his books. And I was telling them, well, you see, this way he can ask for more books. I'm really just helping the guy. <laughs> um. So I took all his books, which were skill books, so that was nice. Um, and uh, in I've had two sessions, like uh, streaming sessions. And the first one, the, the most pervy thing I found was uh, the Ogrim in uh, Morrowind have uh, nipple rings for unknown reasons. Yeah, baby. <laughs> and uh, in the other one, uh, everything was fine. Not a single problem with Daedra. I just had to deal with a dark elf mage living on a small island with his three, his four daughter wives who were actually female clones of himself. That's so gross. <laughs> Come on, game. What's wrong with you? Wait, wait. His four daughter daughters wives. and wives that were also clones of himself. He calls them his daughters. They refer to themselves as his wives, and he also explains that they are all female clones of himself. I, I can't even begin to, like, if you have kids, like, <laughs> Wait, you, what the hell is that? Hack this? <laughs> what the? I mean, like, is it your daughter and your wife? So it's like you, if you but, have but a child. also yourself. But right. But female form. Right. So is it, I'll tell you what. Like in a thousand years, when this becomes a thing for us, oh dear God, there's a social movement there. I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you that. Oh, <laughs> uh, I don't oh. want to live on this planet anymore. Oh, Elder Scrolls. <laughs> oh, Elder Scrolls. Why is it that I'm bumping into all this stuff now? Is like it, until Battlespire, things were good. Yeah, you know, I was blind to this side of the game, and no, no, not anymore. Now, now I'm just I'm stuck in the middle of it. See what happens when the uh, the nice uh, veiled curtain gets pulled away from your eyes, and you're there to see the nasty, horrible, <laughs> exposed truth of it all. Well, you what can't has unsee been what seen? Has been done. Exactly, <laughs> you can't unsee what has been seen. <laughs> I tell you what, though, um, not only imaginative, but um, uh, very funny. I I I, I love that. <laughs> that oh, is yeah. that is incredible. No, I I'm still having fun. It's just for some reason now I'm noticing this stuff, and it's like it's just it's funny that it's always been there, but just one playthrough and you suddenly start noticing how it's there. Yeah. Well, that's Elder Scrolls in and uh, in and of itself. You know, you you play it once and you're like that was fun, and then you play through it again. And you're like, did I even play this game the first time? It. There's so many things uh, new to and 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 um, I haven't discovered. It's sort of a shame that as you're playing through it this time, you're sort of discovering 
All the raunchy stuff. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and again, it's just because I noticed that it was so blatant in Battlespire. Like Battlespire could be could be so juvenile in that in some of this stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, it was it was a fun enough game. It wasn't the best Elder Scrolls game I've ever played. Far from. But this stuff just stood out so much there. Yeah. That now going into the other games, it's like. Well, now I'm actually seeing it again. <laughs> well, now it seems to be there more in Morrowind than the later games, but I'm sure once I start streaming Oblivion, eventually I'm going to start noticing it then too. Oh, I'm I'm sure, I'm sure. Um, you know, I'm <clears throat> as Todd Howard had said at, at E3 this year. You know, um, gaming industry's come come very very far, and at one point uh, they were. They were in a tent at E3 next to the porn. So they had to do something in order to, you know, keep people oh, yeah. from going I, from I, the porn tent into the gaming tent. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's where their influence for uh, Battlespire came from. <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm telling you, it's just, it's, it's amazing just how far the series has come and how it's evolved. They're probably oh. saying, like, you know, we got to do something in order to keep up with Ass Masters 5, guys. What are we going to do with Battlespire? <laughs> <laughs> which is a which is an X Files reference for those oh, of you oh. out there. I don't know if anyone here watches the X Files or or has, but oh right, right, Fox uh, and his uh, his collection. Yeah, that's uh, not that I'm referencing an actual series. God help me if I am, but uh, it's, it's meant <laughs> to be an X Files. Well, now reference. we will be we will be uh, googling that a little later. Yeah, so <laughs> if you Google Ass Masters Five, and it comes back. <laughs> I- <laughs> Uh, guys, I've movie. seen enough stuff I can't unsee. <laughs> you, 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 you handle that research. <laughs> no, I ha- happily having the curtain over my eyes on this one. <laughs> but just to put it out there, okay, it, it is an X Files reference. <laughs> uh, what about? <laughs> it's You're Sunday morning now. <laughs> I'm supposed to be at church. <laughs> what? What about you, Mike? What have you been doing in game? So I've been playing Skyrim a lot uh, this week, um, other than grinding on ESO, and that has nothing to do with Mark's pervy Daedra. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one of the cool things that I ran across, uh, I was off to um, where the heck I was going off to get uh, the Horn of Jorgen Windcaller, and um, I stopped in at Morthal and I checked in for the night to you know sleep because I'm running a mod where you have to sleep, eat, and drink. And so I checked in, and the next morning I wake up to sounds of, like, it sounds like battle, but nobody's fighting. And so I go into the main mm. room there, and there is that stupid bard orc, Lubric, standing in the fire. And he literally <laughs> burned himself to death. So I guess if I go to play the Dark Brotherhood, I've already killed him. <laughs> there he is, strumming his loot, you know, on fire, and he's, Ugh! Stop that! You know, <laughs> that he falls over dead in the fire. I'm like, this has to be the funniest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> well, we now know who finally got won the bid on killing him himself. Himself. <laughs> yeah. I know where this game's going. I'm not gonna. You know, I'm not giving you the satisfaction. I'm picking the way I'm going out. <laughs> the best part is, is that they they play the. Um, like uh like just like stock 
uh, voiceovers for that sort of thing. So the guy is standing in the lava himself, strumming a lute, and he's going, Ugh! Ah! Never should have come here! Exactly. Ah! Ugh! <laughs> ah! <laughs> Good stuff. Um, yeah, I, I haven't really been doing much in, in Elder Scrolls lately. Uh, I've been trying to keep up with the, um, main story here in, um, in Oblivion. I finally, uh, as I spoke about on Elder Scrolls Off the Record, uh, finally got through the, the, uh, Siege of Kavach and, uh, brought Martin back to Wayne Priory. So I'm at that stage of the quest right now. And, um... I'm very excited about that because it's it's been a long time coming. I've never actually gone that far in in Oblivion, and um, so I'm, I'm I'm really happy. It it always I, I first think I think I first played Oblivion like in 2008, um, maybe maybe a little before that, but it's somewhere around that time. And I, I was playing on my 360, and I didn't quite get it at the time. Um, so when I started up the main quest, I had a really hard time trying to figure out, you know, what I should be doing during the Siege of Kavach and how to build my character and all that. So since then, that whole, like, part of the game for me has been very difficult to, to sort of get through. And, and I'm finally through it, so I'm, I'm very proud of, of myself and, and of doing that. And, um, and that's basically it. The other thing I want to tell people is uh, that... Uh, and I'm gonna I, I announced this on Twitter and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna announce it a couple more times during the week this way hopefully we catch everybody um, but we're not gonna do an Elder Scrolls off the record this week uh, we're gonna save it for for next week unfortunately um, the day I had chosen to do the show this week um, I have to go into work uh, for for extra training so um, and the the following day which is Wednesday is not going to be available to me so uh, the hosts are aware um, but, you know, right now the real trick is is making sure that all of our listeners become aware. So I just want to throw that out there uh, due to my work schedule. This week we won't be doing a uh, Elder Scrolls off the record. But the following week we'll have one for sure. Sweet. Yeah. Are you going to get any taser training or is this, you know? No, it's uh, well, it's actually counterterrorism training. Um, oh, cool. Yeah. It's uh, it's a yearly thing that we do. It's, it's nothing, you know, it's nothing to too difficult i suppose um you know well a lot all of us in you know the department go through it so uh all right well enough of that um this week is all about the city of anvil and mike's going to give us a brief history of the city by the sea uh as well as mark is going to show us uh you know some unique things about about anvil in the series however uh, before we get into any of that let's focus on gameplay for a minute what quests or quests from Anvil have we found most memorable? Or do we think the quests here are so severely lacking that none are memorable at all? Um, so there's actually a couple of quests that I've done that while while looking into this, I I completely forgot came from here in the first place. Um, but you know we'll we'll get into that right now. I want to kind of head over to to Mike on this one. Um, what what quests specifically from Anvil have have you have you done that that you thought were really memorable? I think the one that most people recognize is the Siren's Deception. They may not know the name 
but they'll know it once I start describing it. Yeah. This is the one where if you go in as a male, you start hearing rumors of an all-female gang that is preying on the married men in the town. And you, have, you come across the Red Guard couple, and uh, he has uh, been duped by the gang and lost a, uh, a wedding souvenir, a wedding ring. And uh, you're charged with going to get it. And so you have to be duped by the female gang to go up to their little hideout uh, north of Anvil or west, east of Anvil. And um, go in to, you know, see if they'll, you know, try and, you know, rob you. And then, you know, you have to you know, go through and kill them all off. Sure. Um, but, uh, you know, everybody hears that one. And it's like, you know, especially it's even become a meme on uh, some of the, the social networks where, you know, in Oblivion, you get, you know, attacked by a gang of all female thieves. In Skyrim, you get attacked by a thief, go into a, uh, a cavern and fight some Draugr. Uh, type of thing. So, you know, it, it's one of the ones that definitely pulls out of Oblivion as like not only a memorable quest for uh, Anvil, but a memorable quest for the whole game. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, while looking back into this, uh, that was one of the quests that that I had I had remembered myself. Um, and in fact, I actually uh, inadvertently ended up capturing it on um, an episode of Lunchtime in Tamriel, where. Um, my character basically goes goes in and gets you know quote unquote duped from these um, these uh, these sirens and and what's funny is <clears throat> um, the quest <clears throat> starts off and um, they're all like you know sp- speaking extremely um, uh, sexually toward toward your character <laughs> really like a lot of innuendos. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's very very funny because you know you're you're talking to these characters and they're not at all attractive because of the you know potato face, putting <laughs> <laughs> face potato heads right. So <laughs> so <laughs> you know you're kind of talking to these characters and I you know you sort of feel like you know you're you're you know uh, jumping on the grenade so to speak <laughs> to doing the quest and then you <laughs> you show up. Uh, to this house, and they all just kind of approach you all at once. You're like, "Oh, gee, this, this is going to be a bigger night than I thought." And then it turns, you know, <laughs> lots of potatoes rolling out of the sack. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's definitely memorable, but uh, for some and for for different reasons. Um, what, what about what about you, Mark? You got anything on this? Yeah. Um. There are three that really sort of stick out for me. Uh, there's the whole the rat problem for the Fighters Guild, where uh, yes. you know there's the, someone uh, Quillweave, the Argonian author, is accidentally well, she's she's luring tigers into someone's basement basement to kill the rats down there, but the rats are actually the person's pets. Yeah, so that's a, that's a one that sticks out. Um, the getting anvils, the anvil mages guild recommendation is you need to go uh, do an investigation of some deaths along uh, the road. So, like you have to go up to an inn and sleep there for a bit, and then move on, and eventually you get ambushed. So that's a good one. But it's I think just my... not the Roxy Inn. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good old Roxy I, I, I hear that uh, you know, like they, it's kind of disease-ridden. One disease in particular. <laughs> yeah, you sleep in that bed, you're gonna walk out with uh, with a vampire sickness. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Uh, but I think my favorite is called Where, the, Where Spirits Have Lease. Um, that's the one where um, uh, you, you buy the house here in Anvil. The guy sells it to you for a shockingly low price of 5,000 gold pieces, all furnishing there. And you go sleep in the house and, uh, spoilers, it turns out the house is haunted. Uh-oh. And so it's like you need to go track the guy down and, and try and figure out, you know, and uh, then it turns out that uh, one of his ancestors uh, had tried to turn themselves into a lich. And now you need to go into, like, this secret passage in the wall that he needs to, to unlock. It's It's a really cool quest, and it's always the... When I think of Anvil, it's always the one that comes to my mind. Hey, speaking of Quill Weave, here she is. Oh, yeah. Right there. I have to say, you know, you're very polite there, closing the gates behind you and everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, you want to leave it untouched. You know, you, Anvil's such a pretty town. <laughs> uh, the funny, there's, uh, there's a webcomic uh, called Prequel, and... I've had no contact with the author. This is this isn't meant. To, this isn't some sort of cross promotion. It's just this is a comic I really really enjoy, uh, and the whole point is that um, it focuses on a character who is theoretically the, going to be the main character in a game of Oblivion, but it occurs when the person is leveled zero when they first arrive in Cyrodiil and before they end up in in the prison. And you know, the Elder Scrolls series is about actually. Uh, as you do things, you get better. So, as a zero-level character, she is an amazing screw-up. Like, everything she does eventually screws up on her. And Quillweave <laughs> is actually a major character in this. Like, uh, the the first couple of chapters, you are in Anvil, interacting, and or she's in Anvil, interacting with just about all the different uh, characters that uh, that you bump into like you end up she goes into Anvil's castle and like uh, the gray fo- you know the, the strange guy sitting in the corner is there and she talks to him and she has uh, dinner with the countess and everything and uh, she goes on a quest to Kavach with Quillweave uh, for to drop off a or pick up a book for Quillweave and everything so it's it's just a, a great little comic and if you love um seeing these different characters and places in oblivion it's always a good read and you get you get little jokes like someone war- uh someone warns her about the the main character about the imperial prison because oh yeah no i heard that the last person that they uh that went to the prison when he got let out he ended up getting shipped off to morrowind and became a nectarine <laughs> nectarine <laughs> Not a nerevarine. Not the nerevarine. <laughs> no, you know, so they're harsh there. They turned you into a, into you know they turned you into a nectarine. <laughs> that's so. a really that's a really cool reference. I like that. Oh you no, know, the, the the game is just full of little references like that the entire way through. Like there's one point in which you meet there, uh, you see a summoner, and the summoners drawn as the summoners from Daggerfall are, um, and just just stuff like that. Like if you love. If you love the Elder Scrolls, you're going to see tons of little things in this comic. It's just I I can't suggest it enough. Uh, who makes it? Uh, oh, I forget the guy's name. Um, just a second. Okay. Yeah. Uh. So I'm uh I'm walking around here and uh trying to just you know show show the town itself uh night and day all around the town and um. I wandered into the abandoned town, uh, the abandoned uh, house and town here, 
And there is just a dude chilling on on the the second floor. Like some random guy. I believe guy. this is the guy for the Thieves Guild quest where you have to get a um, a forged document for um, uh, the Thieves Guild so that you can have the um, I can't remember his name right now, uh, but he's like the the guy who's trying to to find the gray uh, fox. Have him reassigned out of uh, the Imperial City to uh, Anvil. Oh, okay. Uh, so this is like one of those thief type characters that you're going to run into if you play the thief line. All right. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, sorry. the The author's name is Kazared, and it's it's found at www.prequeladventure.com. I posted a link in the chat. Really highly suggested. Very cool. Thanks a lot for that, Mark. Uh pilgrimage. That is that is the quest that um, I find most memorable that starts here in Anvil. Um, as you can tell from, if you're watching the stream, um, I am wearing my Knights of the Nine regalia. And that is because um, I have I've started and completed the Knights of the Nine quest chain. And earning this um, armor and uh, weapon set uh, starts by starts in Anvil, and you you basically get a quest to visit all of the shrines um, of the gods here in uh, in Oblivion, and you you get the quest here in Anvil, and it leads you all over all over the game um, throughout Cyrodiil, and it goes from on, it goes on from there, but um, you you kind of get a scope of how long the quest is going to be just from that one step, that first step. And uh, it's it's not an easy quest. It is fun. It is interesting. It's a great story. Um, but uh, the first quest certainly it gives you uh, that, that helps you, helps along with when you finally do complete the quest, it helps with that feeling of achievement. Like I went through all of this <laughs> to finally get to where I'm at now, and I feel I feel like I've accomplished something very um, notable in this game. So uh, that started here in Anvil for me, and uh, I'll never forget that. It was it was uh, really an epic quest chain. Oh, it is. It's a really good one. Do they ever clean up the the cathedral after uh, after the start of that quest? Because as I recall, it starts off with an unbelievably bloody sacrifice in the cathedral. Well, let's uh, let's take a look. The cathedral's here, and uh, I believe that's uh, Masser uh, hanging prominently in the sky as well. So we've got the uh, cathedral coming up right here. I'm going to enter inside and take a look. I'm not expecting it to be cleaned up, but that uh, seems all right. Take a look around in here. There's no blood on the floor. There's no dead no, bodies. No body here. on the altar. Nothing. No. Nah. Good. Okay. I'm actually surprised by that. Yeah. It's something I've never checked out and just, you know, <laughs> I was about to say, guys, come on, clean that up. <laughs> I know. Can we get a sponge <laughs> here? <laughs> All right. Well, listen, um, we, uh, we've got a lot to talk about in this show, uh, starting with Mike's our Tamrielic historian, the history of. So the history of Anvil is a prosperous harbor city on the Gold Coast by the 
Abakian Sea at the very southwest end of Cyrodiil. Uh, the Red Guards have a notable influence on the local architecture, which is of similar style to that of nearby Hammerfeld. If we look at it in the real world, we can see that some of the influences of the walled city of Dubrovnik, Old Town, a historic walled city on the Adriatic Sea located in modern Croatia. Uh, historical lore indicates that Dubrovnik was founded in the 7th century on a rocky island named Lois, uh, which is said to have provided shelter to refugees from the nearby city of Epidurium. If I'm saying these words correct, uh, I don't have a degree in Greek. <laughs> Another theory is that Dubrovnik was established by Greek sailors. A key element of this theory is the fact that ships in ancient times traveled about 45 to 50 nautical miles per day and required a sandy shore to pull out of water for a rest period during the night. Both are walled cities, both Anvil and this in our real world city. Uh, that are adjacent to the sea. Both support a port, and coincidentally, Anvil lies between two other ports on the Gold Coast, Woodhearth in Valenwood and Rehad in Hammerfeld. Both have buildings which are topped with glazed terracotta roofs, and interestingly, there is even a fortress located outside the city of Dubrovnik's uh, Gibraltar, uh, which, uh, you know, really, you know, when you look at the two cities gives you an idea of this ancient Greek, ancient Roman um, architecture, both of them walled cities, both with terracotta roofs, both on the seashore. Uh, so I thought that was really cool to, to have this find here, just like when we did the Chaden Hall episode and talked about uh, the architecture of Chaden Hall. We can see some of the architecture of real world influences here in Anvil. Yeah, just to, to butt in for a second, um, that is actually something I, I had noticed, is it, it, take a look, now that we're outside again, uh, Mike is saying that, you, you know, uh, uh, this town is sort of inspired by by a real-life uh, town in in, in in Greece. Right here in front of us, look at the, the portico here, um, it's, it's uh, archways and just the open open nature of this particular... Um, of this particular structure you know it's it's a it's a simple patio with a concrete um a concrete roof over it essentially but you've got the pillars here the archways uh very greek in structure or in nature and then the um the the structures themselves in the towns you know the uh the roofs um with uh the just the simple like shapes i suppose of the buildings and then the roofs themselves the terracotta shingling on the roof. Right, right, exactly. Um, very, very Greek as well. Very Greek. So, so we have to wonder, you know, when it comes to Hammerfall, you know, is or Hammerfell, what is the influences that they're taking off of? Is it, you know, in terms of real world, is it Greek architecture in Hammerfell? Is it, you know, Middle Eastern? Is it um, um, Constantinople? Uh, you know, so it's very interesting to think. I mean, you've got the dome architecture in certain areas of uh, the city, the dome architecture that we see in Sentinel, uh, the terracotta roofing, the very Greek influence styling. Uh, now, the only thing, you know, as I was looking at some of the things is that, you know, with any of these games, you have to make certain choices. And in order to facilitate uh, modeling, all, everything is this same type of 
granite stone quarry, um, which I'm sure if they, you know, had their way, they probably would have made this wood sandstone to have the same kind of influence that uh, the rest of the structures should have had. But, you know, you have to make a choice. You know, do you go with the granite type of architecture are bricks that every, you know, all of the other cities have, or do you make a whole new brick pattern? Yeah. Yeah, and you can you can understand why, you know, given the technology and its um <clears throat> its limitations. Yeah. Um no matter where you're at in in history of technology, um you know, you're always trying to push it forward, so you know, you can understand why they make these these concessions. They sort of have to. Yep. All right, Mike, go ahead. Okay, so let's take a look at the history of Anvil now that we've taken a look at the architecture. Uh, Anvil is first mentioned in the history books in association with the Thracian Plague of first era 2200, which decimated more than half of Tamriel's population, particularly the western coastlands closest to Thrace. Uh, after Bendu Olo, the Colovian king of Anvil led an all-navy, all-flags navy to victory over the slug foes, folk of Thrace, the glory of the Cyrodelic people became known throughout the world. The Colovian estates began to overshadow the richer, more populous East then, which eventually led to the War of Righteousness that ended the Elysian rule. Uh, so this came out of the uh, pocket guide to the First Empire on Cyrodiil. So originally, Anvil was a small collection of ramshackle huts, infamous for being a violent haven for pirates, refugees, thieves, thugs, but anytime you launch a royal armada from an area, it has a tendency of changing things. Installation of guard outposts, uh, larger ports, um, you know, a marine force that is stationed there. So pretty much it cleaned it up. Uh, it is believed that Anvil was left unaffected during the Alliance War, which raged in the heartlands of Cyrodiil during the Second Era. So something during ESO that we can't get to is some of these larger cities. So it will be interesting if they do ever open up Anvil and uh, the Gold Coast uh, in ESO, what it's going to look like. Well, they're clearly under the dominion of, uh, well, the dominion at this point. So clearly they're suffering. <laughs> How do we know that? How do we know that they're not under the uh, the thumb of the Red Guard at this point in time? Uh, they're close enough to the south. They're, you know, they're, they're more likely, uh, you know, much closer to dominion territory than Covenant and frankly, High Elves. <laughs> well, it'd be the Bosmer. Uh, during the time of the Cameron Usurper, it was controlled by the Red Saber Pirates. So this, you know, goes to that almost. Um, it's actually, you know, the Cameron Usurper made his way all the way up to um, High Rock, but uh, was unable to actually take control of Anvil at that time because it was held by these Red Saber Pirates. Uh, and so this is the third era at this point in time. Uh, but it's taken over and used as a base of operations by Commodore Fessel Umbrix. Uh, while he was attempting to break up the fleet uh, in the third era, say so, that ten times fast. Yeah, we've <laughs> uh, got the Cameron Usurper and Fessel Umbrax here. Uh, so let's take a look at the captain's uh, journal here, since uh, the Red Saber pirates own the area. I curse the day that Cameron Usurper died at the wars ended. Because it was the day that Commodore Fassel Umbrix turned his attention to the Red Saber. A couple of months after the war, the fat, pompous bastard decided to come down here to Anvil and take up a port in my town, looking to break up the Red Saber. The Emperor gave him whatever he asked for in a campaign against us. 
as despite the coffers being empty from the war in High Rock. So we can see that uh, this guy's not too happy that uh, I'd say the war ended here. Uh, <laughs> during the Battle of Anvil Bay between Umbrix and uh, Thoradan Abdugal, the town was set alight. Dugal tried to flee, but Umbrix's battle mages caused a rocky outcropping to collapse over his ship, the Black Flag. So from his journal, part four. I'm the last and supposed to make sense. The great Captain Dugal, defeated by Fassel Umbrix and buried alive forever. I wonder what became of Anvil. Probably let it burn and swept the ashes to the sea. Umbrix probably went back to the Imperial City to pat himself on the back and be rewarded with lands and titles. So what we come to find out, though, through a quest line is as a reward for destroying the pirates, Umbrix is given the title of Count of Anvil, as well as funds to rebuild the city over the ashes of old Anvil. Uh, he builds the castle Anvil on the same island that the Black Flag was buried under, and Umbrix's descendants will rule the uh, area for centuries. And... You actually get to meet the Countess, uh, who is um, a descendant. You can also go and see the ship, the go to the Black Flag, and get it as a base of operation if you have the uh, the Thieves' Den add-on. Ah, uh, yeah, yep, yep. <clears throat> so I thought that was, you know, pretty cool little thing there. Yeah, it's interesting how um, you know there's so many different towns in the game, but. Um, Anvil really does play uh, one of the more pivotal roles in the game for your character uh, than than some of the other towns do. Yeah, because you have to get support of um, uh, or of uh, guards, don't you, to end the um, the Oblivion Crisis? Mm-hmm. And then you have you know the Knights of the Nine starts here, right? The um, you know, the Thieves the, Guild, Thieves Guild. Uh, has this. This is a major place for the Thieves Guild quest line, and uh, I think this is like the beginning area, one of the first areas for Fighters Guilds. That rat problem is, yeah, probably I believe the first. Um, yes, it is. Fighters Guild quest. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And An- Anvil actually shows up on uh, the map of Cyrodiil in the uh, the first edition guide to the Empire. That's the first time it's me- it's uh, shown slash mentioned. So. You know, it's it's actually one of the older places in Cyrodiil, and it gets a lot of attention in this game. I hadn't thought about just how much. Exactly. That's that's kind of um, kind of what I'm trying to get at here. It's 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 kind of crazy how how it it you know it does actually like it. It's you don't see it, um, but it does sneak into your your character's uh, playthrough. No matter really what you're doing, um, all the time, even like you know, uh, like you had mentioned that um, the uh, the pirate add-on, yeah, pops in yeah. there too. I mean, yeah, just all kinds of little things here and there where you keep going back to this city, which is really out of the way, you know. And if you're like me and you walk everywhere, it becomes a real pain when they say go to Anvil and do this. Uh, but it's such a nice city. Now, we're going to read from our favorite author's uh, book here, The Guide to Anvil, by Alicia Otis, uh, and see how arrogant and hateful she is to the city of Anvil. <laughs> so, sweet Debella, lady of love, bless us and our children. My name is Alicia Otis, and I'd like to tell you all about Anvil. The seat of Anvil County is by the sea, and at first glance is very pretty, but when you examine it closely, it turns out to be quite unpleasant. 
The water views are charming, but on the docks and in the harbor district outside of town, you will find many sailors and tramps and dirty persons of little worth. Castle Anvil is clean and well-ordered, and within the town's walls, some houses are bright and cheerful, but others are derelict and abandoned, or shabby and neglected, with plaster fallen and patchworks from the stonework, and lunatics and drunkards may be encountered elsewhere. So she really hasn't changed since we last talked to her in, about her. Castle Anvil. The ruler of Anvil is Countess Miliona Umbrix. Her husband, Corvius Umbrix, disappeared many years ago, and most persons would agree that her ladyship is better off without him. For he was a light and frivolous person, and given to loose and riotous behavior, likely to promote scandal. The countess herself is a righteous and godly woman, and an excellent ruler, well loved by the people. If only she could compel her town guard to drive the seamen, lowlifes, loafers, and thieves from Anvil's streets. Anvil might be a more tolerable place to live. Now, the count... Uh, anybody who knows the lore of the Thieves Guild, the Count ends up being, uh, at one point in time, a wearer of the Gray Fox's cowl. Mm-hmm. So that's why he's disappeared. District of Anvil. Uh, consider the five districts of Anvil. The castle Anvil lies outside the town walls, south of town, overlooking the harbor, and is reached by a gate from Chapelgate. Within the town walls are three districts, Chapelgate, to the east, Westgate to the west, and Guildgate between Chapelgate and Westgate. Harborside lies outside of the town walls south of town and is reached by a gate from the Westgate district. So looking at Chapelgate, a more beautiful chapel may not be seen in all of Cyrodiil. A quiet garden for meditation with a fine statue of Dibella lies between the chapel and the town wall. And across from the chapel is a lovely garden and covered arcade where worshippers are protected from the elements. Regrettably, the people of Anvil seem little inclined to appreciate these advantages and are seldom seen worshipping at the chapel. Whether this is the fault of the primate, who is a vain and shallow woman, or the countess, who does little to encourage regular chapel worship, by her example, I am unable to judge. Guildgate, the most prosperous part of Anvil, is centered by Guildgate or Maingate or Northgate, Man, can't you make up your mind on what you're going to call this gate? Or well, um, Watergate. Here, it, it's Gategate. <laughs> here yeah. we see side by side many of the handsome and most ugliest of Anvil's buildings. The guilds are kept clean and in good repair, and both Mages Guild and Fighters Guild are usually ambitious and industrious in Cyrodiil's common standard. The head of the Mages Guild, Carahill, is a scholar of good reputation and an outspoken enemy of necromancy, summoning and the dark arts. The Fighters Guild here is a well-staffed and active and shows no sign of frecklessness or poor morale of chapters elsewhere in Cyrodiil. However, next to the Mages Guild is a ruin, long boarded up and abandoned, and a prominent eyesore. Hmm. Westgate. This is the residential and district of Anvil. The houses here are shabby and ill-kept. People are untidy and dull, with the exception of Anvil's famous citizen, the Argonian authoress Quillweave, who produces wretched books celebrating the misadventures and schemes of the lower and criminal classes. This person does her race no favor by confirming the prejudice of many who considers Argonian to be ungodly, dishonest, and worthless, and little better than beasts. So she's not even a fan of other authors. Wow. <laughs> and then Harborside. 
The docks are rotten and in repair, and all manners of smells issue forth from the holds of ships and ransackled warehouses. Shiftless persons gather here to bask in the sun, gossip and chatter, and plot how to beg or steal gold or wine for wine or ale. Here a good woman named Maribel Monette runs a house for homeless sailors. But I'm sorry to say her mistaken tenderheartedness and charity only encourages mellowlining and drunkenness. Instead, she should urge those wicked and idle men to improve themselves through industry and the teachings of the nine. Here is, however, a very appealing lighthouse south of the harbor from which one may contemplate a distant and less disagreeable view of Anvil's castle, town, and the harbor setting. May the nine guide you. And that's the end of her book. And once again, we can see that for somebody who's supposed to be... Uh, Promoting tourism through Cyrodiil, she does not do a good job at it, nor does she make any friends. <laughs> no, no kidding. Uh, well, <clears throat> I'm at a uh, rather less disagreeable view of the uh, lighthouse here in the harbor and Castle Anvil <laughs> as well. Uh, for those of you wondering, I am actually doing the... Um, um, oh, boy. Uh, Siren's Deception Quest. And uh, I'm on my way to become deceived by these <laughs> these sirens, whom uh, we're we're just on the live stream uh, touting their uh, potato faces, <laughs> <laughs> their potato face virtues. Exactly. Uh, Faustina was uh, shaking her, he her her hips at me, and I was wondering if maybe she was having an epileptic fit, <laughs> 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 which may have been just as likely. <laughs> Um, so anyway, um, one last thing about Anvil and the history of that we could dig up. Uh, during the Great War, the city was put under siege by the armies of the Aldmeri Dominion, which ended finally in the Fourth Era 172 with a Dominion victory over uh, Anvil before they made their way to Hammerfell. Really? So, yep. So just prior to the start of uh, Skyrim. So we remember talking about how the Imperial City was under siege during the Great War. This is one of the cities to fall to the the Almeri Dominion during that war. Wow. Almeri Dominion's really uh taken over the uh the whole place after after Oblivion here and, and just before Skyrim. Yeah. So it'd well, be interesting to see what would it would be like if we came back after Skyrim, what's going on. Yeah, and it makes sense. I mean it's a fantastic uh you know, foothold into the province. So if you're attacking from that direction, this is the place you want. Yeah, I mean, I said earlier, you know, it, it's a port, you know, almost directly in the middle between Hammerfeld and uh, Valen Woods. Um, where was it here? Uh, Woodhearth of Valen Woods. So that'd be the closest port city that they'd be able to take if they launched from Valen Woods. And if they launch from Oradon, which is almost a direct shot to Anvil out of the Somerset Isles, uh, this would be the place to land. Mm. Funny how this, th this story thread, which if you blink you miss it, is picked up in Skyrim. And I imagine... Um, for Elder Scrolls Six, they're gonna have to have to mention something, at least, oh, yeah. just to follow yeah. up. 
I mean, the the Almeri Dominion is is actively trying to to uh, you know take over the Empire here. And by the yeah. time we see Skyrim, they're 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 in there as well. And they're so entrenched because you know the White Gold Concordant that it really comes down to you know what's going on with the Almeri Dominion and the Empire. You know, Skyrim has gone through a civil war now. You've got all of this, you know, you know, ambassadorial type of status, but really it's like pretty much we're checking up on you, Empire. Don't blink. That you know, you'd figure that they have to do something with it. Sure. All right. Um, anything else, Mike, on the history? So that's what I have on Anvil. It's not a huge history, uh, but you know, it's amazing how the little details. This is one of those cities that, you know, it has so many little details throughout the game, but not a, a ton. Like, the Imperial City had a ton of material on it. But Anvil's like, you know, little dribs and drabs here that, you know, this is a launching port for a number of invasions, you know, for the Empire out to sea. So, kind of interesting how it's changed over the years. Hmm. Well, considering the fact that it's... um one town among many here in in uh, in oblivion um you know it certainly was uh, a sizable amount of history i was actually a little concerned that um doing different uh doing different cities uh for this uh oblivion series was was not going to yield too much history for you but it, it seems like uh that's really not the case yeah i'm surprised i mean you know if you look at we did the chain hall one as the first episode i was on you know you wouldn't have thought there was much there other than the dark brotherhood but there was enough to cover two hours. Yeah, exactly. You know, we figured the Imperial City, you know, would easily cover two hours. And now with this one, I think that's pretty good amount, uh, you know, other than talking about the actual quests themselves. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So these these uh, these sirens have uh, decided to, to attack me. <laughs> you wouldn't just give them the Knights of the Nine armor? No. No, sorry. <laughs> It's only the holy artifact of the entire church. Yeah, no. Yeah. Not going to give it to a couple of potato head snots. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, off to... Uh, thank you, Mike, for, for the history. Um, off to off to Mark, the Sonarist himself. Now, Mark, I mean, obviously Anvil could mean a lot the, the scope of the scenarist archives is what what do the topics at hand mean for the entire series and in regards specifically to anvil the question is is anything at all I, I... sadly uh other than you know what was mentioned for uh elder scrolls 5 you know for skyrim and uh its appearance in a map in uh you know buried in a map in um the the guide, to, you know, the guide to the Empire First Edition, and of course, what we see in uh, Anvil or in Oblivion, not a whole lot. So, wait, you mean it wasn't in Arena? Actually, no, no, it wasn't. Oh, okay, <laughs> nothing's ever in Arena. <laughs> Patrick so, Stewart's in Arena. Except he's not Patrick Stewart there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> Sadly, um, so. You know, I, I figured, okay, well, well, what are the other options? And I, I realized that, again, one of my favorite quests for the city is the uh, the quest where you actually get a house. 
And so I, I started thinking about, well, what what type of stuff, you know, housing does show up in the in the series. And it's actually, you know, it's something you kind of almost take for granted in a way that there's going to be houses and that you, you know, a player house available to you. And I then realized that how they handle it has actually changed quite a bit as the series has go on, has gone on. And, you know, one of my favorite parts about the series is that you can just do whatever you want. I mean, if you want to just, you know, be a merchant and all you do, you abandon all questing and you just go back and forth between the towns and get a merchant empire going with buying and selling, you can do that, especially in Daggerfall. But, uh, you know, like you can, that's, that's a, that's a perfectly valid play style and option for you. And if, like most games, like say even I believe the original uh, Dragon Age, if I recall correctly, you don't really have a place to settle down and call your own. You you just travel from place to place, do your questing, and you might, if you're lucky, have somewhere where you can store your gear in like a camp or something. But you don't actually have a home. So rather than be a murder hobo all the time... The Elder Scrolls actually gives you that option to integrate yourself into a community, to, to give yourself this extra little um, stake in what is going on in the land. Um, except for an arena. You're not allowed to do that in an arena. Right, you have to be a murder hobo in an arena. Yeah. So... It's the best way to live, murder hobo. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they, don't know what to... they don't know what door to knock on, you know, to come find you. <laughs> exactly. How do we so... make this like an official play style in Skyrim, the murder hobo? <laughs> <laughs> you, you just, you never buy anything, you, you never buy a house. You just, you only travel, you stay in, in every once in a while, and just kill as you go. Yeah, but there's got to be like a, like a, like a, you know, uh, hand-to-hand skill and like um like a, oh, you're uh, talking about going full hobo. Full hobo. <laughs> Full-born hobo. I, I say you can you know, get get like an iron dagger and uh, and never get out of your prison rags. <laughs> now you're a murder hobo. <laughs> oh, boy. Nasty, isn't so, it? yeah, I mean, and basically as the game goes on, or game series goes on, you, you get, you, you have that option. So, arena, yeah, you, you, you've got no options in arena. Daggerfall introduced the idea of owning property to the series. You could buy houses or boats from the banks and make your life uh, and you know make your life from there. Boats were fun that they were caught in a stagget, sta- static point in the middle of the ocean or in the middle of uh, of the bay. And if you decided to go to your ship, you automatically wherever you were just teleported there. But then, if you wanted to travel off your boat, you had to fast. You had to use your your fast travel. Or actually jump in the water and swim. Jump for those slaughterfish. <laughs> Watching out for slaughterfish. Well, no, this was more. Uh, this was outside water, meaning it was uh, there was no three dimensions to it. It just basically was like uh, I'm sure in Daggerfall you've walked into a puddle at one point and sunk up to your neck. <laughs> uh, you know, like uh, what you what you see as like a moat is just like more. It looks more like a puddle. You can't swim down. It's just the character dumps up to their neck and you slosh around for a little bit until you get to the other side. Sounds I'm like sorry, I haven't been able to get out of Privateer Cove without destroying furniture. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I don't know about the puddle. <laughs> you guys seeing this? Like I, I went into the basement here of these um, the 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 Sirens uh, farmhouse. 
And uh, they've got like a little treasure room here, and like the clothes actually have NPC names on it, like Ernest's fancy pants, Ernest's best shirt, shoes. Yes, yeah, so everybody that they've stolen from. Yeah. yeah. I wonder now like you if you should I go around and see if you can find these people in the town. Yeah, and be like here, here's your fancy pants, <laughs> Mister Fancy Pants, Mister Fancy Pants. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like this you one here, uh, Oaken Hole Heirloom. Huh. I wonder if that's a yeah. thing. The, uh, I think there was um, some woman's amulet as well, and there's that minotaur horn. Yeah, I scooped up the. Um... <laughs> I don't want to know what they're doing with the minotaur's horn. <laughs> Astia's necklace. I scooped that up. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to see if I can find this Astia person. Because uh, that actually, that name does sound familiar to me. And um, I'm going to see if I can drop off her necklace. And anyway, um, go ahead. Uh, please, sorry to, sorry to interrupt no, there. Not uh, a problem. Uh, so anyway, um, the getting a house in Daggerfall, though, was closer to an endgame thing than something you could do just as you played through. Um, a cheap, tiny one-room hut went for as much as 300,000 gold pieces, while larger houses could go into the millions. And you never knew exactly where in the city your house was exactly. You were shown what it looked like from the outside. So, you know, when you purchased your house from well, usually a fairly large list... You were kind of like if you were thinking, oh, well, I'll get a house down near the marketplace. Well, this looks like one of the houses near the marketplace. You could buy it and find out actually you're like far away from everything and like even the gates. And it'll take you like 10 minutes of walking into the city to get to your house. So but the way that you actually purchased your houses was that you went to the banks and the banking system was something that actually sets Daggerfall apart from the other games as well because gold had weight in Daggerfall yeah you couldn't carry around two million gold that would actually like like give it would it would just um, it would just completely weigh you down and unfortunately Daggerfall was also a game where you couldn't drop gold if you dropped it it apparently vaporized into the ether <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's so, so funny because, like, playing Skyrim, sometimes I'll go and, like, you have a house with a safe in it. I'll put gold in the safe just because it doesn't seem realistic that I can carry two million. But, yeah, it, it's it's always bothered me that gold is weightless. Yeah. Although it's great because, you know, you don't want to be over encumbered by just having gold on you or arrows. Yeah. Or repair hammers. And, <laughs> and that's sort of in the part of their let's not. It's like. When I'm running a D&D game, I don't pay attention to to encumbrance because it's like I don't want to have to worry about, um, you know, I don't want people to have to worry about, you know, knowing exactly how much their arrows are weighing and just, you know, have to check the charts and find out what's the weight of this yeah. every time they go shopping. Yeah. It's just math that's not fun. And, you know, I that's kind of how I prefer video games, too, is I don't want to have to. Like, I don't mind an encumbrance system. I just don't want to have to literally balance out every minute thing like, oh, crap, I need to drop this one arrow because now I can't walk. Yeah, yeah that's one of those. not uh, Morrowind or uh, Oblivion's encumbrance. That drives me nuts. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. I, you kind of have to, at some particular point, you know, you have to sort of say to yourself, what makes a better game here? You know, is it is it better to to, you know, say... Uh, in real life, you know, all this gold uh, would, would weigh a lot, 
Or is it better to say, you know, that said, in the game, do you really want to have to manage your weight um, yeah. based on how much gold you have in your pocket, too? It, like, that's kind it, of annoying. Exactly. And especially because in Daggerfall, uh, you you put your gold into the banks. There was no interest over time. But if you decided that you wanted to take and you could take the gold out without a problem. But if you wanted a letter of credit, then you needed to uh, then it cost you one percent of the value of the letter of credit, which is is not bad if you're taking out like 100 gold, except for that's 10 gold out or that's one gold out of your pocket for 100. But when we're talking about like because the banks were were locked to the area. So the Bank of Sentinel only could be – you could only find branches in the Sentinel area. The Bank of Daggerfall was only in the Daggerfall area. So if I put all my money in the Bank of Daggerfall and then go to Wayrest, well, I have to go back to Daggerfall to get to my money unless I'm carrying a letter of credit. Which means if I have 500,000 gold pieces and I want to move to a different area, I now have to pay 1% of – you know, I now lose – a good percentage of that, you know, of gold now when I'm moving. So this was one of those things. But the banking also allowed you to break the game. Can I put in for just one second? Sure, no problem. So, Avarwin, uh, check out the Horse Whisper Stables and then Phineas Inviticus's house for some of those people. Huh. <clears throat> um, am I going to find Astia there? Because that's who I'm looking for now. Uh, you'll find Ernest in his fancy pants and Astia at the other one. Uh, okay. Um, where Where is Astia? Astia Phineas. is in Phineas and Viticus's house. Okay. All right, I was actually looking that up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks. Thanks. Uh, thanks, Mike. So, um, so basically it was like... The unofficial da- uh, Daggerfall guide from, that Prima put out actually says the first thing you should do when you get out of Privateer's Hold is there's only four pla- uh, there's only really three major places you need to spend any time in, in the game. So it suggests you go to a bunch of the other pro- uh, other little state er- city state areas, go to their banks, take out a loan, which it's based on your level, take all of the cash out. Uh, from that loan and never go back. So you will never have to pay that loan back. And you will just be, you know, basically, you can very quickly get what whatever money you need to buy a house or horse and cart and everything else like that if you just spend the time to go to all these different areas and commit major banking fraud. <laughs> They'll send so. the Dark Brotherhood after you. Oh, wait, no. <laughs> Surprisingly, no. So, you know, wash, rinse, repeat until you can afford a really sweet crib. Yeah. Uh, Now, it was all based on your level, like how much you could actually take out. But I think it was like 100,000 or 20,000 per level or something like that. So it was a fair amount. So then you got into Morrowind. And the banking, the buying a house was such a thing in Daggerfall you would think that it would carry over into Morrowind, and it sort of does. If you join one of the great houses, you can, uh, during the course of the quest line, they build an estate for you. But where the estate is is predetermined by the game. There's only one place, and you can only join the one house. 
And these estates are actually a little bit outside of established cities. For example, I joined Halalu, and I have a state, an estate outside of Balmora. But it means that, like, I need to spend a minute or two running at very high, at a pretty uh, fast speed in order to get back and forth between the city. If I want to drop stuff off, I can. But then if I want to actually then go to a merchant or something, well, I need to walk my way back. So I'm at the point in the game where um, the shirtless guy at the beginning has given me his house and gone off back to Cyrodiil. And I have a choice between I can walk back to my main really nice estate or I can just dump stuff in his one-room house. Hmm. And, you know, that's sort of... It's an unfortunate thing that I, I've got this really cool house, but it's so far out of the way that it's not really fun for me to, to use it. Uh, and I, now, on the other hand, when I had the house built, they gave me a, a bunch of ebony weaponry just sitting on a shelf in it. And the house didn't cost me anything. So it was like, okay, well, game's broken combat-wise for a while now. <laughs> uh, alternately, you can go to Solstheim. And they'll build you a uh, part of the East Empire Trading Company uh, plot line is they will actually build you an estate. And you actually get to decide where in Raven Rock they build it out of three options. It's very disconnected from everything else. So again, if you want to use this as a proper living house, you're again pretty far away from anything useful and from you know where you might want to travel. So the only other option is you either, as you're going along, you pick a house that you like and that's either abandoned or you kill the owner and become a squatter. <laughs> you know? so Murder at hobo. The, at, exactly. So at the end, at the end of the hobo. game, yeah, so at the end of the game, uh, when you've defeated um, Dagoth Ur, basically everyone knows you're the Nervarine and thanks you for what you've done. They Except recognize the who you are. And so it's like, you know, say, where's the immortal reincarnation of our greatest hero live? Ah, he's squatting down in a shack down by the docks. Taunted the owner into attacking him and just moved in after afterwards. <laughs> you know, well, like, at least he has a roof over his head. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so Oblivion brought back a, a housing system as well and uh, where you could actually purchase your houses and you know, it brought in the idea of actually purchasing furniture and whatnot. Uh, each city had a house in a predetermined place. But when you bought the house, you actually had a nice little, you could, it's easy to get to. You have options to, you know, it's close to services you'd want. You can have an easier time using your new property. So I always found them more enjoyable. And usually you just had to uh, do a quest or at least get um, the a counter count the local counter countess to like you in order to buy your house or you know you could do the really cool quest in anvil and get your house that way right or you could use real money and get a house uh if you purchase the priory of the if you purchase the knights of the nine dlc you get the priory um which but that comes with a really cool quest line alternately you could purchase uh there's a castle and the co smuggler's cove and a wizard's tower or an assassin's hideout that you could purchase for about $2 each. And they've got some neat little mechanics like you can basically if you if you purchase the thieves cove or the the thieves den DLC 
let's work here in Anvil, uh, you can actually get uh, build up your little army of uh, pirates slash smugglers and send them out on jobs and make money that way. Huh, that's pretty cool. Um, if you buy the Assassin's Dead, you get a uh, vampire servant who will, uh, you know, go out and kill people for you and get and make you money that way. Or he will actually purchase. Or um, if you're a vampire, there's actually a human cattle that you can purchase that will just sleeps in the basement, so you have a reliable feeding source. Um, so you know that there were some nice little little things you could do there, but you're paying two dollars for a house. Yeah, and you automatically get it the moment that Wasn't you're you just uh, by the fireplace there. Uh, I didn't. I didn't see anyone sitting there. Yeah. Oh. So, this is the one yeah. thing about about Oblivion that is strange. Is like these people have their own life schedules, and uh, yeah, if, if you're not there at the right time, she's not going to be there. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there and, she and, is. That's actually what happened last week with the with the guy who. Um, spends his time sleep like uh the the guy that's been doing the grave robbing yeah so yeah i mean so basically like this was one of the problems i found with dlc is that uh you know like unfortunately like oblivion had terrible dlc options like horse armor and the ability to find spells as uh as treasure um you know so while you got some, you could get some cool houses out of the DLC. Uh, oh, and we're offline. Yeah, I was just gonna say, can you uh, can you repeat that uh, that last line? It looks like um, we we sort of lost the feed there for a minute. Okay. Um. So yeah, basically we join uh, in once we get into Skyrim, we um, we have this. Uh, sorry, brain brain fart. Uh, once we're in Skyrim, we have uh, we can. We can uh, get our our houses again, but and all we need to do is prove ourselves to the uh, the the thane of every one of each hold. So you know you don't have to pay any extra money for the houses. You it's part of a quest. You know you just prove yourself, and then you can go further and actually become part of. Uh, uh, sorry, you can become a thane of each hold um, uh, during part of the quest lines and. You get these nice houses, and you get a follower out of it as well. Though, frankly, who recognize like pretty much Lydia is the only house Carl that anyone remembers the name of. Right? Yeah, you know she's the best one. So exactly. So um, honestly, the only house that you can you get for extra in the DLCs. Well, okay, no, Hearthspire gives you. What the hell is happening with that necklace? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's getting whipped around a bit. Uh, so yeah, hearth, hearth, uh, yeah, hearth fire. You, uh, you know, you can build your own your own houses there. So while you're technically paying for extra houses there, it gave you that little that really cool uh, actually making your own place. Yeah, but that was yeah. yeah but. Uh, I, I liked it. I mean, it wasn't probably could have been cheaper, but it was still a nice little addition. Um, the one that I had, like, I I found Dragonborn. I like that you had they give you a house in that as part of a quest line. I wasn't thrilled that this house, like, then you couldn't move your family into the house or anything. It was it was basically more like you were squatting in it as opposed to this had become a a, a place the game recognized as yours and you could make a life there. 
Right. Dude, it's your vacation home away from the family. Apparently. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that was sort of how it what it became. You leave your wife in Windhelm, your kids in Whiterun, <laughs> and you go off to Solstheim for a retreat. All right. Um so so um so Mark, I mean in regards to, you know, Anvil and whatnot, I mean do you do you have anything else on this? No, that's that's pretty much it. There's, right. uh, there's not much more to say. I mean, I I would be shocked if they don't continue housing into Elder Scrolls uh, Six. Oh, I'm and sure they will. I'm pretty sure they're going to keep continue with what they did in uh, in Skyrim, as opposed to you know go backwards. Well, the banking... We're going to see more like uh, Hearthfire, like a better version of Hearthfire in the upcoming ones, where you don't just inherit a house and pay money to have it furnished. I think we're going to see more of the, the customization, and, customization yeah. coming. Well, speaking would, of yeah. speaking of Anvil and and owning real estate, right? Here's here's your fast question of the week, guys, and we'll go we'll go Mike and then Mark. Um quickly. Anvil, would you live there? Mike. No. No. Okay. Mark. Yep. All right. Yeah, I would. I would. I would I would I'd live here. Uh, Mike, why not? Dude, the place is haunted. Why would you want to live in a haunted house? <laughs> well, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm just saying, like, in general, like, this town, would you? <laughs> 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 but, uh, yeah, you're right. You got a point there. Um, Mark, what about you? I mean, would you, would you live here? I ain't afraid of no ghost. Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> um, it's, it's good. It's a good house. It's, it's cheap. Uh, it's got a cool quest line, uh, and basically the the city gives you everything you really need as a base of operations. So, yeah, yeah it's one of my favorite places to uh, to hunker down when I'm playing the game. I, I kind of agree on all those points there. Um, it's it's a lot of fun. It's really it's really pretty. Kind of out of the way. Um, quiet. I like Except it. All the murders in the chapel. Yeah. Well, you gotta you gotta. You know, every now and again, <laughs> and the guy in the lighthouse. <laughs> hey, even my my quiet little area is not uh, uh, is not safe from that sort of thing. You know, it, sometimes the quieter the area. Oh, I I know what you mean there. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. <laughs> my uh, my my little area around here is uh known for some um, uh, kind of like the Twin Peaks of Long Island. <laughs> Anyway, um, emails. We've got a wonderful email here. It comes from Osgant, who who um, who says this: "Hey, classic crew. After the f- over after the over five million dollar profit that Bethesda made on their ad campaign that is Fallout Shelter, I was wondering how y'all think Test Six will be announced rather than when. Will we be?" Will it be another, oh, by the way, last second bomb at an E3, or perhaps another theatrical stage performance like Skyrim's debut at the VGAs? Will it be accompanied by a mobile game like Fallout Shelter, or maybe a reboot of the Tess Travels series? Personally, I'd like it if Todd Howard to just tweet the launch trailer on a random Thursday night at like 4 a.m. or some dumb, something dumb like that. How would you like how would you like it to be announced? And how do you expect it to be announced? When God you. 
Osgand. What do you think, Mike? A very nice email. Um, so one of the things that I keep running into very recently is, you know, this huge debate on what's the next game going to be called. And one of the things that people keep throwing out there is the concept that the um, the term Red Guard got renewed for copyright licensing. And, um, you know, things like Arena and Daggerfall, you know, they had lapsed for a while. So, you know, oh, it's going to be it's going to be called Red Guard. My hope is that we're going to see the reboot of Red Guard on like mobile devices like the iPad and stuff like that, where it's been fixed, where some of the issues that Mark uh, is so uh, familiar with, where, you know, line of sighting and, you know, swinging your sword will be fixed. Mm. Uh, so it'll be a much more playable game on the iPad or, you know, whatever your tablet of choice is. So long as they don't change the voice acting, that is golden. <laughs> <laughs> What about you, uh, Mark? What the hell? Uh, what about you, Mark? What do you think? I figure they're they're going to do some pageantry around it. I I kind of feel they should. It's a series that means so much to the company, and frankly, is so epic in scope that it deserves to be given a lot of focus. It deserves the focus. It deserves big trailer and then question and answer the way that they've done for Fallout. Um, as for following, you know, some sort of mobile series, I know that, uh, I, as my understanding was, Fallout Shelter was something they'd been working for and just decided to hold over. And they didn't realize just exactly how how popular it was going to be. Like, they they were caught off guard with it. I hope that they don't just try to do it because, oh, well, people would really like that. Because I, I would have rather... Because with Fallout, managing a vault is just... It makes perfect sense. That's an easy thing to uh, to fit in in that. I'm not sure what they could do of a similar scope yeah. that just slides straight into the Elder Scrolls. Well, uh, I think that kind of is where Elder Scrolls Legends sort of fits in. You know, it's, a, it's an iPad game. Um, yeah. I think that's probably what, what they are doing for that. Yeah, and, and that's kind of what I see the Elder Scrolls Mobile, uh, you know, space sort of sort of looking like, um, at least for now, anyway. How do, how do I want them to to announce it? Um, hey, the more uh, the more creative and random, the better, I suppose. Um, I I like Mark was saying. I expect some pageantry as well, but um, when it comes to the the initial announcement, you know, uh, something something kind of like obscure um, on social media, I think, is something that we can expect, and and I I would I would kind of look forward to something like that. Um, I think that'd be really um, you know like a lot of fun. I mean, how how else can you sort of release? to your fans almost all at once um a teaser or they're gonna make the moon disappear and then they're gonna come back and say the dominion made it have it reappear and that's they're gonna release the new uh, game <laughs> honestly i that's why i think elsewhere is where they're going next it's because that whole moon disappear reappear dominion is our savior plot line that's why i think we're going to elsewhere next interesting 
All right, folks. Um, well, as we look upon Anvil here in the in the evening, um, let us uh, well, here we go. Um, let us uh, leave you and begin to uh, close the show and leave you with our our final thoughts here, starting with Mike. So it was a good show. Uh, I enjoyed this. Uh, it's episode forty-one, so we're fast approaching our fiftieth episode of Classics. So for all of our listeners, keep an ear out for a special uh, happening that's going to be uh, coinciding with our 50th. And Mark? This was a great episode. Had a lot of fun with it. And it, it's funny because um, next episode will uh, be the one that will basically uh, have been one year since both Mike and I joined the podcast. And it's funny that, you know, the, the one that's closer to Mike joining actually has... Uh, uh, actually, we are going over another city in oblivion. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, you guys did a fantastic... Oh, actually, no, sorry. No, next one's just before Mike's one year anniversary. Never yeah. mind. Ignore me! <laughs> it's been 21 episodes that I've been on and 20 episodes that you've been on? Yeah. Yeah. And 41 episodes that Barwin's been on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, unless you no, go, no, unless, 40. He, 40. He missed yeah. one episode. That, that's true that is true of the of the new the new uh the new format remember the show used to have an old format too where yeah. it was uh it was just a live stream yeah. yeah well um hey thanks to to mike and uh and mark for all their hard work in um in putting together the uh the show notes this week um you guys did a great job as always and um you know this uh this particular subject matter uh, may have been a little uh, a little more difficult to, to go after and um, I appreciate you guys going the uh, extra mile or two to uh, to put together a nice fine show uh, chock full of information for our listeners um, to our listeners and our viewers uh, thanks for watching and for listening of course you can you can check us out on iTunes the stitcher radio app as well available on your uh, your, your favorite mobile store uh, as well as our website questgamingnetwork.com. And uh, on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash quest gaming network. And uh, if you did, if you did uh, watch and enjoy and you have not subscribed, please subscribe. We've got so much going on here at quest gaming network. Uh, we're, we're bound to, to grab your attention with this and, and possibly something else as well. And uh, everything that we do here is uh, high quality and uh, quite entertaining. We, we invite you to uh, explore a little bit. You're going to find a gem for sure. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter as well. You can follow uh, our, our host here, Mike, our Tarmrelic Traveler, at KDR Mickey. That's K-D-R-M-I-C-K-E-Y. And uh, as well as Mark, the Sonarist, at Carnegie Wolf. That's C-A-R-N-A-G-A-N-W-O-L-F-E. And me, at Abarwin, E-V-A-R-W-Y-N. Uh, as well as our show, at Elder Scrolls O-T-R. That's at Elder Scrolls. O-T-R. Time to say goodbye, guys. Let's start with Mike. Have a good Sunday, everybody. It's looking pretty beautiful out here for August, and uh, hope you have a good week in game. And Mark. Great show. Yeah, uh, everyone have a great weekend as well. And uh, I'm doing, I do have my Morrowind stream coming this Thursday, 9.30 a, a p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So join me for that as we continue the uh, the main quest of Morrowind. 
And I've uh, got something else in the work that will hopefully be coming out in the next couple of weeks. Oh, exciting. Well, everyone, thank you for uh, listening and for watching. Take care, everyone. Be safe. And as always, may the force be with you.